Back in the 1970s, horror already had some big-name directors such as George Romero, Dario Argento, Lucio Fulci, uh, Toby Hooper, and even Wes Craven. But later on in the 70s, a young filmmaker by the name of Don Coscarelli brought us a new kind of horror movie. A horror movie that is sort of on the sci-fi side and just really creepy. Um, And he was also in company with uh, Ridley Scott directing Alien in 1979. Don Coscarelli brought us a new kind of horror that will forever be remembered in the horror history books, so to speak. And he also introduced us to the iconic horror character that we know today as the Tall Man and his infamous Sentinel Spheres. I'm none other talking about the 1979 Phantasm. Phantasm. Is it a nightmare? Phantasm. Is it an illusion? Phantasm. Is it an evil? Take me home. What? No questions. You must take me home. Phantasm. Is it a fantasy? scare you. You're already dead. Phantasm. So right off the bat, I just want to say you can watch Phantasm right now for free on Tubi TV. Uh, That's if you're listening to this podcast in the year 2020. Um, so there's no excuse not to watch Phantasm if, if you have Wi-Fi or the internet and Tubi TV, I mean, you gotta, you gotta put on Phantasm if you've never seen it before or if you want to revisit it. Um, it's been years ago since I've seen Phantasm, but revisiting Phantasm again this year has been awesome and uh 
it still holds up it's it's still very creepy and i liked the movie back then and uh i still like this movie a lot i would hold this up pretty high on the list for horror movies of all time this is just a great movie and it's kind of crazy to think that uh, Coscarelli had made this movie when he was 23 and then uh, by the time this movie was finished he was 25 and this movie was so well made that he went on to make more films like Beastmaster, John Dies at the End, Bubba Hotep, and then also directing Phantasm 2, 3, and 4. And he's made a few other ones, but these are, I think, are his big staple films. And uh, just a great filmmaker. I'm surprised he hasn't made any more, to, to be honest. Uh, just films in general. And I have to mention the infamous tall man character was played by Angus Grimm. I'm sure you guys know who Angus Grimm is, but uh, he's been in a ton of films um, such as like Chopping Mall. He played a little bit in that. Uh, John Dies of the End, Mr. And uh, every single Phantasm movie up to date. And I don't know if there will ever be another Phantasm movie, but... Never Say Never. Um, he also played in Subspecies. Jeez, um, I mean, the list could literally go on. Vampirella, Transylvania Twist. Um, yeah, the list can just go on and on. But he is a terrific actor. Or I should say was a terrific actor. We also have a young actor in this film at the time. Uh, Michael Baldwin, who plays Mike in the movie. He's been in every single Phantasm movie. Um, Phantasm 2, 3, and 4, and Ravenger. Yeah, all of them. And then he was also in a uh, relatively newer movie called Pickaxe from 2014. And just some other roles that you might not have seen him in, like uh, Vice Girls in uh, Virtual Girl 2. <laughs> I've never seen those, so I, I can't comment on that. Bill Thornberry, who plays Jody Pearson in this film, has been, uh, he's made appearances possibly some archival footage and uh uh it's been so long but i think that they were archival footage most of it uh, from phantasm three four and five i could be mistaken i might need to revisit these but i'm pretty sure there's some archival footage there possibly maybe some newer scenes too i Geez, I need to uh, revisit this whole series again. But uh... And then we get Reggie Bannister, who plays Reggie. And he has been in a ton of movies. I'm not going <laughs> to get into it. He's in all the Phantasm movies as well. 
So I, I like the continuation of having like everybody in in the sequels. It's awesome. I, I will mention he's in Silent Night, Deadly Night 4, The Initiation, which I did, I did an episode on that already. But I mean, you know, if you look him up, he's been in a, in a lot of a lot of movies and uh, still making movies as far as I know. Uh, and then we have Lady in Lavender played by Kathy Lester. You'll see her pop up from time to time. And uh, I, I, I really like that character too because uh, if you've never seen Phantasm, it plays a, uh, <laughs> there's there's a twist in it. Um, I guess not really a twist. It's it's right off the bat. Uh, if you think about it, the Lady in Lavender is tall, disguised as a woman, and uh, it's, it's kind of weird, but uh, it it really gives you the the uh, mystique of uh, who this tall man is and and what and who is he and what is he. But uh, we'll get into that. A little bit, hopefully. Uh, but I do want to say uh, this film was released June 1st in 1979. And the budget was $300,000 US dollars. And it was quite a success. It, the box office raked in uh, $12 million, which is quite a bit. And uh, I think uh, really this is what launched his career and uh by far <laughs> by far some of his best work was in the horror genre some fun facts because i'm assuming you guys have already watched this movie before um listening to this podcast otherwise you probably aren't listening to it at all but i do want to name off some fun facts there might be some facts that you may not know or you may know all of them but uh I'm going to go down this list of fun facts that uh, I thought were interesting. So Phantasm was filmed on a small budget of $300,000, which, I mean, back then was probably a lot of money still. But uh, the director would save money by renting equipment on Fridays, then shooting on the weekends, and then returning all the uh, filming equipment on Monday so that he would only have to pay one day uh, for one day of rental, which is uh, smart thinking. And uh, I, you know, I, I'm not much of a, a, uh, a guy that's in the business as far as like filmmaking business per se, you know, deep into it. But uh, to hear about some of these uh, little cost saving techniques such as that and, uh, you know, I I would have never known that uh, that when you rent equipment, that uh, you know you can save money that way. That was uh, something new to me. <clears throat> um, actor Angus Scrim is six foot four, and he wore undersized costumes and modified boots to make him appear even taller during filming. Costco really also saved money by casting both his and actor Reggie Bannister's parents as extras during the funeral scene. So 
you notice like throughout the whole movie really there is uh just a lot of money saving that goes in this movie and you wouldn't even know that they were saving so much money by by adding in and uh you know just all around and then you know if if you listen to some of the uh commentary uh there there's some talk of of how they save money by doing particular scenes and whatnot and it's it's pretty cool and i want to talk about the uh exterior of the mausoleum because it's it's a pretty cool mausoleum that you might have seen in uh some other movies uh in later films like uh 1985's a view to a kill and in 1993's so i married an axe murderer so next time you watch those movies, uh, keep keep your eyes peeled for the uh, the Phantasm Mausoleum in those films. Um, Phantasm contains multiple homages to the sci-fi novel Dune, including a scene where Mike is forced to put his hand inside the fortune teller's pain-inducing black box which that was news to me. I had no idea that that was the connection there as far as homages go. And according to Coscarelli, the original cut of Phantasm clocked in at over three hours. Some of the unused footage made its way into 1998's Phantasm IV Oblivion, while the rest may have been lost or destroyed. Maybe one day we'll be able to get our hands on some of that lost footage that'd be awesome phantasm was originally given an x rating by the mpaa largely because of the iconic silver sphere scene where we see the sphere drilling into the the caregiver's head and uh you know that iconic scene where we see all that blood splattering out of there but uh, it, the rating was changed after L.A. Times critic Charles Champlin intervened on the film's behalf. Director J.J. Abrams is a huge fan of Phantasm and even helped arrange the film's 2016 restoration. Abrams chose the Captain Phasma name in Star Wars The Force Awakens as an homage to the film. A filmmaker, Roger Avery, pitched his own idea for a Phantasm sequel, which would have been titled Phantasm 1999 AD, and it would have featured Bruce Campbell playing the major role, but unfortunately that project was abandoned due to lack of funding. Um, it would have been interesting to see Bruce Campbell play in a Phantasm movie. I, I think I would have been all for it. A popular rumor suggests that Phantasm was the inspiration for Motorhead's iconic 1980 song Ace of Spades. Reportedly, songwriter Ian Lemmy Kilmeister was inspired by the look of the main character Mike Pearson and wrote out the lyrics during a screening. So that's very interesting. I've always been a fan of Motorhead, and uh, I still rock the Ace of Spades album every once in a while. It's a good album. 
So that's just some fun facts for you. If you might not have uh, heard any of it, then awesome. But uh, if you have, then, you know, hope, hopefully you like just listening about it and maybe reminding you of, of some things. So in this film, we get the tall man, and he is a supernatural and malevolent undertaker who turns the dead of the earth into dwarf zombies and is to be sent back to his planet and used as slaves. But he is sort of confronted, or uh, I should say there's a conflict between uh, a young boy named Mike, and he tries to convince his older brother Jody and uh, their family friend Reggie of this tall man and, and what he does, and they're not quite believing him. And, but he is very adamant about getting his point across that this tall man is real. And uh, later on, we find out that they do believe him. And uh, they pretty much have to, uh, just like any other good ver- uh, good versus evil movie, they have to try to find a way to stop this tall man. And, uh, you know, just, I guess... I guess the end game would have been uh, to live life as normal after just, you know, getting to the bottom of who this tall man is and, you know, trying to stop him from whatever he's doing. So in this episode, I don't know if I necessarily want to do a play-by-play, but I definitely want to just talk about some of the, the key parts of this film and... um. And maybe talk about like why I like this movie so much. And, uh, you know, I'm just trying to maybe do a little something differently. Um, if you guys don't really care for uh, this type of content, uh, just let me know. And then uh, maybe I will do a play-by-play of this movie if if you guys insist. Um, I, just, um, I just feel like maybe with this one, I'll just kind of talk a little bit about this film. And so uh, I, I just want to mention uh, the soundtrack to this movie is just amazing. And it really sets a tone for just how dreadful, how how dreary and creepy and uh, depressing this movie can be. And just really sets the mood for, uh, I don't know, for me, like, I want to say Halloween, but like uh, Halloween season or like in October, it just kind of, for me, it gets me in the mood for uh, the Halloween season. And uh, I think the soundtrack really adds to that. And then just, you know, the setting being uh, at a cemetery in a Muslim for the mausoleum for the most part. And, uh, yeah, I I just you know I think that just really adds a lot to it. But anyways, I'll just kind of give you uh, the plot and kind of go through the movie a little bit. Nothing like too crazy on on detail wise, but um, um, the film starts out where they're at the cemetery. And, uh, Tommy is, uh, 
is having sexual intercourse with uh, who we know is uh, the Lady in Lavender is is pretty much her name. I mean, it's not her actual name, but uh, that is who is referred to in this movie. And uh, <laughs> I won't give anything away, you know, unless you've already seen this. But uh, pretty much, the Lady in Lavender kills Tommy while they're having intercourse at the cemetery and then um and then it jumps to like where the funeral is and uh tommy's friends jody and reggie are there and uh as far as they know uh that he committed suicide it was an act of suicide is is what they think it is and then there's uh jody's 13 year old brother mike and uh he's kind of spying in on the funeral uh i don't know i don't know why i guess like they just didn't want him to show up there i guess but um he sees the tall man and uh he knows right off the bat that uh something is strange with him and uh he places tommy's casket with like little effort uh into the back of the hearse um instead of completing the burial so he just like kind of picks up the casket by himself off the ground and uh you know gives mike uh a hunch that uh there's something strange about uh the tall man and uh a little bit, uh, I might have jumped to, uh, you know, they had, they had the funeral service and whatnot. And uh, I think I think that's where uh, Angus, uh, the tall man, says something about, service is about to begin, boy. And uh, you kind of hear uh, the tall man talk. Uh, he doesn't really talk a whole lot in this movie, but that's one of his biggest lines. And... Uh, kind of just see the smirk on his face i i thought that was pretty cool and uh you know it it shows us a side that this killer or you know our villain killer guy is a talker he's not like jason or um you know like the prowler you know any of them guys that do not talk um Yes, so I mean he's not like Freddy, but uh, he does talk a little bit. Um, and then like later in the movie, um, Jody is getting seduced by the Lady in Lavender and is taken to the cemetery to have sex. Um, but uh, little Mike is uh, treading not too far from them and he's kind of spying in on them and uh and has been following jody and uh, and he gets spooked from his hiding spot by a short little hooded figured guy and he screams and kind of just runs across the cemetery it's a little comic relief and uh you know, Jody has no other choice but to go chase his little brother and figure out what the hell is going on. 
and Jody tells or uh, Mike tells Jody about the hooded figure, but uh, Jody doesn't believe him. Uh, thinks he's making it up. Um, but I should notice a little, or I should uh, mention a little background that uh, Mike is like tied to the hip with Jody, like, uh, and Jody doesn't really want him around him quite as much like you know he's he's got that little brother mentality where he just he wants to follow his big brother wherever he goes and uh so this this seems to be the case uh he goes you know uh when uh jody goes off with the the lady in lavender from the bar they go to have intercourse and then mike you know i'm i'm speaking <laughs> uh walking all over what I just talked about. But yes, yeah, so um so when we jump to uh like Mike goes to investigate uh around the cemetery and mausoleum a little bit more and he's walking around the uh mausoleum and all of a sudden this is where we first see the infamous silver sphere uh starts in the Sphere is flying through uh, the hallways, and uh, his target is supposed to be Mike, but he ends up hitting the caretaker, and uh, it, it impales the caretaker's head. We we start seeing the ball drill into his brain, into his skull, into his brain. Blood is just spewing everywhere out of the silver sphere it's uh i think this is the only uh victim that we see the uh silver sphere drill in this movie now i know later on in the series the silver sphere shows up more and claims uh, other lives but this is sort of the big um scene for the sphere and uh and it's you know it is what it is i mean it's it's well done for you know a movie made back in 1979 or at least released in 1979 and uh you know it it, it left a big impact because you know this movie spawned several other movies with the sphere in every single movie they play a big part in this movie or in this series i should say but yeah mike escapes and uh as he's run trying to run away from the tall man this is kind of a scary scene or you know as he's running away from the tall guy tall man and uh although angus was pretty tall i should say Anyways, the tall man, uh, and Mike slams the door on his hand as he's getting away, but the tall man's hand is in the doorway, and, you know, his fingers are, are on the other side, and, uh, and ends up getting his, his, uh, fingers cut off, and so Mike takes one of the fingers with him, and uh and then mike escapes 
And uh, so the finger plays a part because, uh, it, it, you know, it's sort of wiggling and uh, it's 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 filled with like yellow blood, which is very different from a horror movie, uh, especially from this time period. Uh, it's just really different and it makes you, you know, right off the bat think, OK, the tall man is not human because he's got yellow blood. Uh, it's just something very different, very alien-like. And uh, so he keeps it to uh, tell Jody that, you know, to try to convince him. Um, and, of course, the finger is enough to convince Jody as uh, Mike shows him. And uh, by this time, Reggie shows up. And he witnesses the finger turn into an insect, like sort of like an insect, and uh, is attacking Mike. And this is a classic scene of um, they're trying to contain this little creature, but it's just you know getting out of control, and they're they're kind of throwing their arms at the walls and just sporadically in the air to make it seem like this is a. <laughs> A, uh, a force not to be reckoned with. Um, but the brothers do contain it towards the sink. And uh, try to um, crush it with the garbage disposal. And uh, it seems to do the trick. But this is where Reggie walks in. Like, hey, how's it going, guys? And uh, all of a sudden that thing flies out of the sink. And uh, this is where Reggie learns really quickly that there's some weird shit going on. And, uh, you know, so they ultimately do destroy it. And uh, so Reggie is on board with with uh, the crazy shit that's going on. And uh, so Jody goes to the cemetery alone, but he's chased away by uh, some dwarves that are seemingly, uh, that are, uh, in this driverless hearse. So there's no one in this hearse. And uh, and then he is rescued by Mike in Jody's Cuda. So we get to see a 13-year-old kid driving a Hemi Cuda. Which, okay. <laughs> um, but So we get to see this awesome car chase scene. And uh, of the hearse trying to run the Cuda off the road while a 13-year-old kid is driving. And, and uh, so they they run the hearse off the road and it like hits, uh, I think it like hits like a tree or something like that. Like one of the, something big impales uh, one of the hooded figures that was actually driving. And, uh, and we get to see a like reanimated, like shrunken head of Tommy is, uh, the hooded figure whom they, uh, they hide it in Reggie's ice cream truck. So, uh, they get back and they, they try to come up with a plan to defeat the tall man. 
or I should say Jody and Reggie are trying to come up with a plan to defeat the tall man while Mike is hiding at an antique store owned by Jody's friends Sally and Sue. Um, there he discovers an old photograph of the tall man and insists on being taken home. On the way, Mike and Sally and Sue come across the overturned ice cream truck. They are attacked by a mob of hooded dwarves. Um, Mike manages to escape, presuming the girls and Reggie's are dead. But uh, Jody goes back to the mausoleum to kill the tall man, try to set this, try to kill him once and for all. But uh, he, you know, tries to pull a, a fast one on Mike and lock Mike into the bedroom for safety. But he ends up escaping by making a, I want to say a bomb, but he pretty much <laughs> tapes a uh, a nail to a shotgun bullet and gets a hammer and puts it by the the door and like the handle the lock or whatever and pretty much blows a hole through the door uh i'm sure that really wouldn't work in real life i'm sure it would probably hurt <laughs> mike if if he really did try that but Somehow it works like he wants it to and he's able to escape. So he goes to uh, look for Jody at the mausoleum. Mike is attacked by the silver spear sphere until Jody uh, shows up with the shotgun and just hits it and it explodes like a Christmas bulb. And actually I think they did say it really was a Christmas bulb that they blew up. So... It's totally what it looks like, and apparently that's really what it was, but it's still pretty cool. Um, so uh, Reggie finally shows up with them, and uh, they enter in this brightly lit room, and it is unbearably bright, and it's filled with a bunch of canisters, which they conclude is containing more of these dwarves. And the tall man is taking... Uh, these dwarves into his world to use them as slaves um, and there's these two large uh, poles which is uh, the entrance to the portal Mike kind of uh, glimpse glimpsely looks through and he can see uh, the tall man's world and it's just you know like this red hot world where the dwarves are uh are being moved along as slaves um and then uh, uh all of a sudden the power goes out and uh everyone uh gets separated um but Reggie is the only one in the room and he activates the portal by by putting his both hands on uh, each um, of those poles and uh, it, it creates this big uh, powerful vacuum from which I don't know how he escapes it but he does and it, it creates this big storm and uh, all of a sudden 
Reggie is stabbed by the Lady in Lavender while Jody and Mike flee in the mausoleum vanishes. Um, and this is where we find out where the Lady in Lavender is actually the tall man. Or vice versa, the tall man is actually the Lady in Lavender. And so it's really kind of creepy to, to see that the tall man is trying to lure these dudes to have sex with them. <laughs> Uh, which is fucking crazy, but, uh, I don't know, I guess it is what it is. Uh, but Jody, uh, comes up with a plan to trap the tall man in an abandoned mine shaft, and then the tall man attacks Mike at home and chases him outside, where he eventually falls into the mine shaft and is buried under an avalanche of rocks that was triggered by... Jody. And so it seems to be the end. So so it you know you know it just seems like okay, you know, they defeated him. So after this, Mike wakes up in his bed and he's still worried about the tall man. But Reggie is still alive. And he tells Mike that he had a nightmare. And that Jody died in a car wreck and uh, proposes that they go on a road trip to try not to, to worry about anything. Um, so then when Mike enters his bedroom to pack, the tall man appears and hands crash to the bedroom mirror, pulling Mike inside. And that is the end. And then we get this great Phantasm soundtrack to close the movie and it is a terrifying ending um especially you know the first time watching this it, it's pretty scary but um it's still i don't know the ending still leads me to question like i don't know like or maybe i it's just that i don't like how the ending was where he it was like a dream and he woke up and um to find out that his brother is actually dead and reggie's still alive and it's just it's a it's a mind warp twist right and uh but it seems like what happened was real because uh you know the tall man crashes through so it's just like a big mind fuck and uh but it's still great i will say this is a fantastic movie a phantasm istic movie <laughs> all right that was a bad joke but uh no i i highly recommend checking this out if you've never seen phantasm before um and you listen to my episode uh sorry for spoiling but i mean that's just kind of what i do in this podcast uh you know nonetheless you need to check it out anyways. It is just a great movie to watch. And it spawned several sequels. So uh, now you're going to have to watch them all. And to see kind of how the series unfolds. It's a great series by the way too. Um, I, I can't remember if I mentioned at the beginning. Um, I watched uh, the DVD version of this. I know there is a remastered version of this, and I'd like to see that sometime. 
uh, I just got a free 30-day trial of Amazon Prime, which I seen it was on there. I don't know if I'm going to re-watch it uh, so soon, but um, uh, there is an option. You know, uh, it's on Amazon Prime, the, the remastered version, um, or restored version, uh, what, you know, whatever you want to use as wording. And uh, otherwise, this is free on Tubi TV. You can check it out on Tubi TV. And I'm not really sure about any of the other sequels. I'm not sure if they're on Amazon Prime or Tubi or any of that sort of stuff. I'm sure they are on Video On Demand. Um, so you just have to look them up. I, I happen to own them all on physical media already, though. Uh, but... I'm just I'm just kind of throwing that out there if you don't have any of the movies at all. I'm sure I probably left out a lot of stuff, but uh you know, I was supposed to have this episode out in October and I totally failed on that aspect, but nonetheless, I wanted to put this episode out anyways. Um uh, just like a Nightmare on Elm Street, I'll be uh talking about that one as well. It's one of my favorite horror movies so that one's gonna be another hard one for me to talk about uh yeah it should be a lot of fun uh i'm gonna be having a guest um well i might already have the episode released I, i'm not really sure um well i'm just it's just, just uh a big juggle right now but yeah i mean uh it's, i'm gonna be having you know more guests to be announced. Um, I'm not going to say any names just because uh, I'm not sure when I'm going to be releasing this episode. Uh, I know I'm going to be talking to Joe Castro pretty soon. I'm not sure if that episode is going to be coming out before this or not. And then I'm going to be talking to my buddy Ben Clayton, who is a uh, a writer, artist. Uh, he even did special effects uh, on me for the uh, film Spring Fever. I'm going to have him on in here and we're going to have an awesome horror discussion. Uh, so again, I don't know what, when that's going to be. It might have already been aired after this episode. I don't know. But I'm just throwing that out there as far as like what I'm doing right now and, and what I have scheduled right now. But uh so I just want to say thank you all for listening to this episode. I know this is kind of a, uh, I don't know. This this is a weird episode for me to do. I don't know why. But uh, I love Phantasm. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's kind of weird doing movies that are really good and that you really like. I don't know why. It, it just seems like it's so much harder because... I th I think it's harder because you can't really pull apart movies that well if if they're movies you really like. Um, but I mean, I tend to find flaws in every movie and can kind of poke fun at, at at even movies that are super good or really good, you know. So uh, you know, it doesn't take away the fact that you know I, I really like the movie. But I might be able to make, you know, poke some fun at it a little bit, you know. But, uh, I don't know. This one was kind of hard to poke fun at. Um, I mean, 
I guess like the singing aspect where they're playing guitar and stuff like that. It's kind of that really had a big '70s kind of vibe feel to it. And you know, it was just listening to them play, and the you know the way they dress and everything. Like it totally <laughs> felt like this was a '70s movie. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I can't really think of anything else offhand. But nonetheless, I mean, I hope I hope you guys enjoyed listening or you probably thought this is a bore fest. I don't know. Uh, that's up to you to decide. But um, I think that's about it. I'm going to wrap up saying uh, you can follow me on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Rude Horror Podcast. I'm also on Twitter at RudeHorrorPod, or you can email me at RudeHorror at gmail.com. And uh, I'm not really going to be plugging anybody on this episode just because, uh, I don't know, I just don't feel like it this time around. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, hope you guys will stick around for the next one. I'm going to have some some more great content lined up for you guys. Uh Sorry if I bummed you guys out on this one. This one just, again, it just felt like a really weird one for me. But, uh, yeah, I, I hope you, I hope this guy, uh, <laughs> I hope this episode doesn't stir you guys away from the podcast. Uh, I'm going to have some great guests line, lined up. So uh, stick around for those. And, uh, like I said, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh night of the scarecrow i would still love to do that uh you know even november is a great time to talk about uh scarecrow type movies so i still want to do that one uh i was gonna have uh mick strong on the show i'm not really sure what's going on with that he uh wanted to come on the show but uh maybe he's just really tied up busy with scheduling i know he's working on a new movie right now so um no promises but that's why I held off on that one was because I thought I was going to get him on the show. Um, you know, I guess uh, we're just going to go with the flow on that one. And, uh, you know, if, if if it doesn't work out, then maybe I'll just do that one straight up uh, solo and just kind of do a play-by-play and just talk about that one, talk about some of the info that I know about it and uh, and all that fun stuff. So, uh, anyways, uh, thank you all so much for listening, and I hope you guys stay tuned for the next one. You have been listening to the Root Horror Podcast. If you like this content and would like to hear future episodes, please follow or subscribe if you dare.